Welcome to Real Estate Agent Superstars. I'm your host, RJ Baxter with Intercap Lending. This week I have with me Ron Thorne, who is um, a veteran of the industry over 30 years in the business, and he is highly, highly involved with the, the political organizations around real estate. He's a, he's a representative with NAR. Um, he's served for many, many years on the different uh, associations. And he's gonna join us to talk about some of the issues that are going on right now with NAR talk about the kinds of things that the associations do to help our industry. Thanks for joining us, Ron. How you doing today? Well, my pleasure. Doing great. How about yourself? I'm doing pretty darn good. Good. I'm um, looking forward to the weekend. It's a Friday afternoon as we record this. so um, That's yeah. going to be a snowy weekend, so I hope you're prepared. Yeah, oh, yeah. Cold well, and snowy. It's all good. I don't have my snow tires yet, so hopefully it's not too bad. I tried to get mine put on this morning, but oh, it's all good. Back from there. Yeah. Well, anyway, well, thanks for joining us. I saw, you know, you've been a big, um, largely involved with, um, I don't know if the right word is politics of real estate, but the organizations that help to lobby with in, in Washington, D.C. and help to represent agents uh, for a lot of years. And you're a really experienced agent. You've been, how long have you been in the business now? Well, I started in kindergarten, so I've been in for 34 years. So 34 years. Okay. So you're 38. Now. Yeah, we won't 30, go there. 39, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, a long but, time. Uh, yeah, you've been an agent for a long time. So how did, t tell us a little bit more about yourself. How did you, how did your career evolve to where you started to be involved with being a representative for, um, CAR, NAR, and all these kinds of organizations? Well, I guess, uh, so I've been, been doing real estate for a long time. I was in management for many, many years. And mm -hmm. then, um, you know, originally a, a, at one point in time had a, a good sized team and then went into management for a few different companies. And then, um, then I sort of took a semi-sabbatical for a while, about four and a half years to care for a family member. And then, uh, so when I came back, I just kind of um, re reimagined where I wanted to go with my business. Uh, so I'm kind of revamping that, but uh, I also just have felt a strong need, I think, as a result of all this time to really be able to give back to our industry. And uh, I'm, I'm very passionate about the realtor organization and what it means to be a realtor <clears throat> from, uh, from various perspectives. And so I think as a result of that, you know, I, I'm, I'm able to get back. Um, it's very time consuming to do what I'm doing, but, you know, I, I just feel strongly enough about uh, how the industry has has um, provided me and, and you know, 1.5 million of my colleagues, you know, a really uh, good mm -hmm. career opportunities. And, and I just feel the need to um, to protect our industry. And, and the dual mission of, uh, of the realtor organizations is to serve the public, uh, protecting homeowners' rights. So it's, uh, it's pretty much an equilibrium, protecting our industry and protecting the, the notion of property rights for consumers. And it's, it's up to us to do it. I mean, uh, NAR has been around for a long time. We, uh, we basically have three levels of, of a stool of the realtor organization starting with the very important work that our local associations do. And then we have our state association, in our case, the Colorado Association of Realtors, and then the National Association of Realtors. So, mm -hmm. um, so all three of those um, elements are, are involved in 
Uh, I mean, if you're in real estate, basically you're in politics because um, it's right. it's necessary. And I know politics doesn't have the best uh, um, place in, in one's mindset, but I mean, that's how things get done. So mm-hmm. on our local mm-hmm. associations, we all have government affairs committees who, who play a part in keeping the members informed about what's happening in their municipalities, in their counties. They're establishing relationships with commissioners, mayors, council persons, and, uh, and really looking to see what, what we can do to forward, again, the rights of, um, of homeowners going forward. The state does the same thing. Um, we have relationships with all of our uh, state legislators, and um, we have an extremely aggressive, and I mean aggressive in a good way, a very uh, involved, I should say, um, government affairs group in, in the state organization, the Colorado Association of Realtors, and a whole lot of things happen on the, uh, on the state level in the state house. So that's, that's a really important aspect of what we do. And, um, you know, for example, um, any, our car took a position on Proposition HH um, that, that ultimately went the way that um, the state and um, local associations had hoped it would. Because um, a lot of people didn't really understand the intricacies of that um, proposition. Um, so anyway, that's the state level. So I became more involved with the national level in a couple different ways. So I serve on the board of directors mm-hmm. of the National Association of Realtors. Excuse me. And I'm also what's called an FPC, a federal political coordinator. So every mm-hmm. member of Congress is uh, is connected with a, um, a realtor member who is an FPC, federal political coordinator. Mm-hmm. So we want to be there uh, as a resource for all of the members of Congress. Um, members tend to not really understand how extensive the information that NAR has, both for any member of the National Association of Realtors. Um, but anyway, we're a bundle of resources, so we want to help out our members of Congress that we are attached with. Uh, mm-hmm. providing them uh, information that's very helpful for them to have an understanding of proposed legislation. Then we also um, take positions on proposed legislation and on bills uh, on either um, you know, the House or the Senate. Um, and then we also, um, you know, there, there's, you know, housing is probably the, well, not probably, it is the, the largest component of our economy. So mm-hmm. it's not just affordable housing. It's not just, you know, codes and things like that. It, you know, the tentacles are vast uh, as to how many areas are um, attached to the housing industry. So, um, so NAR um, does a ton of research on issues that we feel are important. And so then we will meet with our legislators. We will communicate with our legislators. Hey, you know, this is something that, uh, you know, perhaps from a sustainability perspective or land use perspective that we would like you to think about uh, looking into and perhaps consider sponsoring a bill to address this particular issue. So, I mean, the classic ones that we're involved with uh, and unfortunately we're involved every few years is, is the NFIP National Flood Insurance Program. Uh, that subsidizes mm-hmm. flood insurance. Um, that's a huge thing. It's a huge thing here in Colorado. I mean, it's it's amazing. We don't, you know, people tend to think of flood insurance if you live in California or Florida uh, mm-hmm. or the Carolinas. Uh, but no, we obviously, if you remember Lions, Colorado, not that many years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, 
that's 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 huge. So we we basically have to fight every few years to uh, unfortunately just get that extended, and it was just recently extended in September. Um, but we need overall um, revamping of that whole program, and, and that's what we diligently keep fighting for. Uh, it's thanks to the realtor organization that we have a 1031 exchange um, that was under serious threat um, not too many years ago. And again, we we have lobby. I'm not a lobbyist uh, by any stretch of the imagination, but we do have lobbyists. The National Association of Realtors is the largest trade organization in the country. Uh, 1.5 million members strong. So we actually do have a lot of clout in Congress. So we, we are in a position to affect and to initiate and to endorse or not uh, legislation as it pertains to property rights again and, and um, what's best for the consumer and our industry. And we do that very diligently. So uh, anyway, I'm talking a blue streak here, RJ. Sorry about that. No, that's, that's a lot of good information. How, how did you... Um end up in this role with uh, NAR. So are you a Colorado representative with NAR or is it more like an elected position with NAR or how yeah. did you become in this okay. role? So, so I ran for a position, uh, what's called a state allocated position for um, the National Association of Realtors. Um, so, so basically um, that consisted of all of the entire uh, board of directors from the Colorado Association of Realtors. So you run in that position, and then if you're elected, then you serve, um, I believe that's a two-year term, um, as, as a, a member of the board of directors for the National Association. The large boards, like uh, in our case, Denver Metro Association of Realtors and Smedra South Metro Denver um, Realtor Association, uh, large associations have the ability to, within that board, uh, their board of directors can basically select or vote on a, a member for the uh, National Association of Realtors due to the fact that they are a large um, association. But but I'm not. Uh, my primary association is Mountain Metro Association of Realtors, and and we don't we're not big enough mm -hmm. to have that ability. So so somebody like me um, who had desire to serve at the national level would have to be voted upon by the entire state board. So that's how that. That's how okay. that came about to be on the board of directors. And then last year uh, I was asked by our state president to chair the um, Colorado uh, committee of national association of realtor directors. So, um, okay. so that was a pretty cool thing to be doing at the time because a lot has yeah. been happening with NAR. And, uh, and then as far as the other aspect, um, the um, FPC, the federal political coordinators, um, those are something that you apply for, and then uh, you're screened both on a, um, a state level, and then um, uh, if you meet certain requirements uh, to to have that move forward, that ultimately then is is uh, selected by the president of the National Association of Realtors. You have to be endorsed by them. Um, and generally, so for example, I, I met with the uh, first vice president of NAR a few years ago. So I had a meeting with him and, uh, and then they, they move forward with your nomination or not. And then uh, the president of the, Nas of the uh, National Association of Realtors would either say yes or no. And that's, that's kind of how that happens. Okay. Okay. That was a long answer to a short question. I apologize. Yeah, but I mean, that's that's interesting to learn about how that come about comes about. So, um, 
So let me just say, yeah. going back to that position. So um, historically, every year in May, um, mm -hmm. we have what used to be called mid-year. I've been going to them for many, many years, even before I was um, active in leadership. And that's where um, it's now called the uh, NAR, um, mid, I think something, legislative meetings and something conference. I don't know, but everybody calls it mid-year. Um, so that's where we have meetings uh, on the Hill. Uh, we have a lot of meetings during that whole week, governance meetings and committee meetings with uh, NER committee committees mm -hmm. and other ones as well. And um, and then we um, we arrange for Hill visits uh, with our uh, members of Congress. So we will have uh, constituents of each um, congressional member meet with the FPC and their member of Congress or their chief of staff if they're not available. And uh, it's a really wonderful and cool experience to be able to do that. You know, people really enjoy going I'm to sure. see and having that opportunity to uh, we go over some talking points with what some of the asks that we have. And they like to hear our stories of what's happening, you know, in their district from our perspective. And then they give us uh, their perspectives on some of the things that they're working on legislatively that might have a, a relationship with uh, real estate or housing. Okay. Okay. So what are some of the biggest topics that are, that NAR is working on right now? I know the commission lawsuit's a big one and I want to get into that, but what, what kinds of other things besides that is NAR working on right now? That's the, the most prominent things. Well, I mean, what, what's been in the, the, the media lately, uh, is that what you want to talk about now? What's happening? What, what's happening in the hallowed halls of NAR? Or... <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Anyway, so a few weeks ago, we had our annual, um, it's called NAR Next, NXT, uh, which is the annual conference that happens in, um, what are we in, winter, fall, uh, this time of the year. Um, and that rotates uh, from one city to another. We were supposed to be meeting in uh, Las Vegas, but then because of their big uh, uh, inner city race racing event, uh, that simply wasn't going to work because we generally have about 12,000 people that that are part of that uh, event. So mm -hmm. it was moved to Anaheim, California, and it worked out great. Um, so we had a lot of sessions um, with uh, with our new president of NAR, Tracy Casper. Um, we saw a lot of briefings on that, uh, good explanations of what's been going on. So um, all I can say is uh, there, there's been a lot of publicity, a lot of headlines. Um, in various sources that, that we as realtors tend to read, but, mm -hmm. but one has to wonder, you know, what, what the motives are behind some of these stories and, and everything, because it's not, you know, they're not necessarily factual. I can just say that. They're, they're just not. So, um, so one of the things we, we had an issue internally um, with our past president of, of the National Association of Realtors and... Um, and I'll just say this because it's it's certainly been out there. Um, so a huge thing going forward, and that's that's all been taken care of and resolved, and we're moving forward with that. And I can't speak as to the uh, validity of of a lot of that, but um, because we just don't know at this point. But um, mm -hmm. but but NAR is very very and has been for quite some time, but now an accelerated uh, mode of of really um, establishing and looking at the cultural aspects of of staff and leadership uh, at the NAR level. Um, we just, you know, 
basically want want to take even a more proactive stance to make sure that that we're uh, DEI to the nth degree and mm-hmm. and, and really mean it. <laughs> you know, we we talk yeah. about this as as realtors to our communities, but now it's very important that our members know that that uh, it's nothing new. Um, but we're just making it a whole lot more um, open and available to everybody to understand how NER at the highest level is working very, very hard in, in every aspect of equality and to make sure that everybody feels safe and comfortable working at, at um, basically the headquarters in Chicago and the D.C. office. Mm-hmm. Um, so our, our new president is, is handling that, in my opinion, very, very well. Um, so we have that, and then uh, we have the lawsuits. So um, you want me to go into that at this point? Or? Yeah, yeah. Tell me what's going on with that. What's the latest? So there again, um, so there have been um, a myriad of lawsuits filed, and, and the one that's made all the news uh, most recently was just within the past month when, when a court ruled up. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, it was a lawsuit against... Um, uh, NAR and uh, Keller Williams, Remax, Anywhere, and Home Services of America. Anywhere owns um, um, Coldwell Banker, Sotheby's. Um, mm-hmm. I missed a few other ones, but um, anyway, they're they're a large entity, okay. And yeah. and then um, Remax, of course, then Home Services of America is is basically in our area best known as Berkshire Hathaway and Corcoran. Uh, okay. Warren, okay. Warren Buffett. So um, when all this was happening, uh, anywhere and Remax decided that that they would uh, settle with the um, um, with the lawyers, basically representing the uh, plaintiffs, and and so they were very significant dollar amount settlements. Uh, it's not mm-hmm. finalized yet because that still has to be approved by a court by a judge. Um, but they felt that in that was in their best interest just to have it done and, and move ahead. Um, NER and Keller Williams and, and um, Home Services of America uh, did not want to settle. Um, they, they really feel that, that we are absolutely in the right. Uh, this trial that had been going on for a while, um, basically the jury deliberated for two hours. Uh, after everything was presented to come up with their decision, which is which is a bit um, amazing when you consider that the amount uh, was one point um, um, eight million dollars or um, billion. Billion. Right. I'm sorry, one point eight yeah. billion dollars. Yeah. yeah. Um, so for something to be that easily uh, resolved is, is is kind of incredulous. Mm-hmm. So um, anyway. Um, and by the way, attorneys, the, the, the one attorney, uh, I, I, I shouldn't even say the percentage, but it's a very, very, very significant percentage of the settlement that he will get. Um, and then after mm-hmm. this um, settlement was made the very next day, that same attorney files another suit uh, against um, uh, EXP and uh, I can't remember the other companies, but most of the other major uh, brands. Mm-hmm. So. And then uh, we're now seeing copycats, you know, when when lawyers who are class action um, um, specialists, you know, kind of see the blood uh, dripping, um, salivating and, and deciding, oh, well, we're going to find another group that we can uh, round together and, and sue somebody because there's big bucks involved in it. 
Um, so I think that's one reason that NER chose and, and Keller Williams and uh, Home Services decided not to uh, settle because they, they want it. So, so I should have backed up. So that judgment now is in an appeal status and that will most certainly be appealed. And I don't know about home services, but uh, Gary Keller through Keller Williams has hired a former uh, solicitor general of the United States to be the lead attorney in the appeal. He's, he's very adept at this type of a situation. Uh, NAR has done the same thing. And I'm assuming that uh, Warren Buffett, Home Services of America, has, has taken a similar stance with how they're um, uh, projecting their appeal process will go. Um, so, so those entities, and I'll speak on behalf of NAR only, are taking it very seriously. We absolutely feel that we are in the right, that we have violated absolutely no laws. And, um, and we just have to really question what the motives of those who are uh, filing lawsuits against uh, realtors in the realtor organization. So, I mean, if, uh, if you divide the, you know, the, the take, so to speak, 1 point billion, divide that after the, you know, roughly 40% or something uh, that the law firm gets, um, there's not a whole lot of money left to go to each individual member of the class action suit, right? How many are in the class action? You know, I don't know that number. As soon as I said that, I feel like I should have been prepared to tell you that. I, I knew it at one time. I really don't remember what it is. It's like, you know, I have T-Mobile for my carrier and every so often I'll get a letter stating, you know, do you want to join a class action suit because T-Mobile uh, overcharged everybody for this and that five years ago. And, you know, you, you do the math and maybe you'll get $5 out of it, but. but yeah, return a, this postcard and get $5 and 11 cents. Exactly. Whatever, whatever exactly. it is. Yeah. So, so we're definitely in a very strong appeal um, process right now. I can't speak to the to the new other lawsuits that have been filed, and and personally, I expect there to be a myriad of other um, copycats, you know, for the reasons that I just stated, uh, doing the same thing. Um, so, so anyway, that's that's kind of where that stands. Um, there's also a DOJ case, Department of Justice case, that's gone back and forth. I won't go into all the mechanics; it's too boring. But, but basically, uh, NER had reached an agreement with uh, with the Department of Justice a few years ago, and all was fine and dandy. And then suddenly, the DOJ kind of reversed their uh, stance on it and said, "Oh, wait a minute, we might want to rethink this," which is highly unusual. I mean, once they have made a decision, they traditionally historically have always uh, kept kept the word and have abided by that so it's a very unusual circumstance mm -hmm. so so kind of the main thrux of all these issues is is um the compensation model so mm -hmm. the lawsuits and the doj action they they all kind of uh, are on the cusp of saying that you know we're we're in violation of antitrust laws so the lawsuits were saying in in the ones that I mentioned, NER, Keller Williams, Home Services, Anywhere, and Remax, somehow we were colluding um, to um, mm. talk about commissions. So we had all, you know, the heads of each of those companies had gotten together and decided, well, we're all going to charge X percent uh, commission. Okay, so, of course, you as well as anybody knows that's that couldn't be further from the truth. We just don't do that. And uh, we're very, very cautious. We understand, and we've been told mm -hmm. from... I, I know decades. I mean, I remember this from 30 years ago. We were always told that you don't have discussions about your commission 
outside of your individual branch office if you happen to work for an mm -hmm. office. That's, you know, because we never wanted any um, perception of, of pricing collusion going on out there. So I'd say, you know, good realtors just simply don't do that. You know, that's that's that. Uh, commissions have always sure. been negotiable. Um, that was one thing that they were saying is that the price was fixed for a commission. That's absolutely not the case. Um, commissions have always been negotiable. Um, the other point was that um, um, buyers felt, I'm sorry, sellers felt at the closing table that, oh, wait a minute, it says I'm paying the commission to the agent representing the buyer. I didn't know that. So I'm paying for both of these. Well, number one, no, you're paying the co-op agent X percent. And then um, that's the seller isn't you're, I'm sorry. The seller is paying X percent to their agent and then their agent, should they choose to or not offer a co-op compensation amount to the broker who brought the buyer, then mm -hmm. that's between the um, those two agents to do that. Mm -hmm. So the seller isn't paying the other agent. The seller is paying their their own agent, not the agent who represents the buyer. It's then okay. me as the okay. seller's agent who is paying a compensation uh, co-op to the agent representing the buyer. Mm -hmm. Okay. Does that make sense, sort of? Yeah. So yeah, in Col let oh, me just say, say one other thing. So in Colorado, um, and, and I can't speak for other states, but I think we were a leader in this uh, early on in my career uh, where we kind of established uh, the whole notion of buyer agency. So when I when I was a baby agent, yeah, that was the case. The contract didn't make that very clear. But um, through through the, um, um, the state government in Colorado and, and then ultimately the Division of Real Estate, um, a long time ago, uh, it was added to our listing agreements and our buyer agency agreements. Uh, it delineated very clearly, this is the total compensation that you will be paying your agent, Mr. and or Mrs. Seller or whoever. And uh, out of that, you know, the, the um, my agent will be paying a co-op fee of X percent. So it's been crystal clear. So assuming that they have a written listing agreement, which you always do. Uh, it is very clearly stated in there exactly how the compensation works. So um, I can't speak how it is in Missouri where this case was, if they didn't have that. But, you know, I'd say we're very fortunate in Colorado that we have had that for a very long time. And, um, and the State Division of Real Estate hasn't allowed us to... Um, um, to practice what's called dual agency, where you're, where I as an agent would represent equally the buyer and the seller. You know, they said a long time ago, no, we're not going to do that. We have agency and then we have transaction brokerage. So all these things are very, very clear and, and well thought out and well laid out and well communicated to a uh, either a buyer or seller property. So um, as far as I'm concerned, there, there are points of contention really are not valid in Colorado. And I don't know how many other states, um, I don't know what their contracts are like, but but it's misguided because, um, so so in Colorado now, we, we have been saying this for years and we continue to, it's very important when you're representing either party. So I just went through what you need to 
converse with your seller about, but you also, if you're working with the buyer, you need to make it very clear that I, as a buyer agent, I'm not working for free. Um, you know, in Colorado, mm -hmm. traditionally the seller pays their agent and then their agent turns around and offers um, a percentage of that to me. So I'm not working for free. It's just that the seller's agent is compensating me for my work. So that's a good thing to do. But just wanted you to know that I'm not working for free. Okay. So we have to be very clear in yeah. stating that. It's very important. And, and we're just pushing that word out as much as possible to agents. And we have for years. Um, when you meet with a client, before you meet with a client, you got to have a meeting with them. You can't just be a Pop Tart and show up at a property and not have this conversation. And now that's become more important than ever. You have to meet with them um, and explain how this works and how the whole, um, how the whole procurement of the compensation uh, is rendered. So, so anyway, um, it's, it's very important for a buyer's agent to have an agreement um, with their client prior to showing property. And that has been the state law for quite some time. Some agents maybe have not been as proactive in doing that, but hopefully all of our realtor members uh, have been and, and they know better. So, yeah. Yeah. So do you, th so it sounds like this case is far from over because the agencies are still uh, fighting it. The brokerages are still fighting it um, and appealing. Um, do you think this is going to change the way that the business is and the way contracts are, um, you know, uh, regardless of the, of how this lawsuit plays out? Okay, well, you stated it very well. It's it's not an immediate thing, so nothing is happening right now. But, um, it, I mean, who, who can ever guess how a lawsuit is going to turn out or a DOJ ruling is going to turn out? But, but the thing that's being bandied about is, um, but but what the uh, plaintiffs in these cases are looking for is they think that prices have been um, artificially increased because of excessive commissions. Um, so again, it just shows they don't really have a good understanding of how well the model works and how it's worked for a very, very long time. Uh, we are the envy of the world as far as our real estate model, how real estate is created and, and done and transacted in the U.S. versus pretty much any other country in the world where it's, mm -hmm. it's chaotic. Um, but what, what ultimately they're trying to do is um, or what could happen, I guess, and they would like to see that happen, is that um, the buyer will then have to pay their own uh, agent a commission. So the seller won't be paying um, a fee that will be split in whatever fashion between two brokers, between the listing and the selling brokers, right? So, so I think what they would like to see is that the seller will pay their agent a commission, whatever they agree upon. And then if a buyer chooses to have representation, then the buyer will then pay their agent um, the percentage of the transaction. That's, that's, and mm -hmm. that's the concern. That's what people as agents and realtors are concerned about uh, because that would, that would basically break our model and that would not be a good thing for the consumer. So think about it mm -hmm. for a moment. Um, you're a lender. So if you have a, uh, a buyer who qualifies for this amount of monthly payment and suddenly they have to pay a percentage, you know, upfront at closing, how's that going to work in many cases, especially right. if you're a lower income or a first time buyer 
or a member of a of a protected class. Um, you know, we're we're very mm -hmm. MAR is very very focused on uh, equity and housing and and frankly uh, appraisals. There, there's been egregious uh, things against minorities uh, from the perspective of, of qualifying for loans with certainly not your company, not remotely, but other ones, yes. And appraisers, mm -hmm. yes, and, and we know that. So, so now adding upon that, suddenly making it more difficult for uh, for those particular buyers, um, and then um, FHA and VA, and you correct me on this or whatnot. Um, they don't allow. Is it VA that doesn't allow um, their VA buyer to to pay a commission? Period. Um, I don't know the answer to that actually. To be honest. So, so they, and even Freddie and Fannie, it's the whole thing is right now would be very, very difficult for buyers to be able to pay a commission. And even if mm -hmm. it were allowed in certain types of loans, uh, where are they going to get the money to do that? So that's going to make it much, much more difficult for a, um, um, a buyer, first time buyer, minority buyer to be able to qualify for a loan. And then, uh, so then, you know, they're kind of saying, well, so it won't matter for wealthy people because that's a non-issue for them. So, you know, how fair is that? How, how equity based is that notion? Not. Mm -hmm. And then, um, and then we look at the other thing. Well, okay, I'm a buyer. I'll just go directly straight to the uh, listing agent then. And I won't have representation. Well, I mean, suddenly it's, it's David versus Goliath. You know, you're up the, the listing agent um, by law has to look out solely for, as a fiduciary of the seller for everything pertaining to having a transaction that is in the best interest of their seller. So now you've got somebody who just calls the listing agent and, and goes directly to them. Well, you know, they have no representation. They have no negotiating ability uh, in the process if you take out uh, the buyer representative, the buyer agent. So that, that simply mm -hmm. goes away. Um, that would create chaos, in my opinion, if we were to do that. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, it's going to totally mess things up as far as how we do it. Well, um, and you think about it, too. Um, if, if, you know, let's say we have multiple offers <laughs> and let, let's say you get 10 offers on a, on a listing that's a hot listing, hot area, great condition, all those things. So if, if I have all these people coming directly to me as a listing agent, you know, that don't have their own representation. I mean, how are they going to be treated fairly? You know, um, they're not, right. they have nobody batting for them, nobody advocating for them, nobody trying to make the best deal for them. Uh, the whole thing with inspections, you know, suddenly, I mean, the listing agent isn't going to be proactive in hiring a really great inspector and, and putting forth all these things or just going to say, no, you know, my, seller isn't going to do anything. So forget about an inspection. Um, mm -hmm. So that's just not how the model works. And that's not how that's, that's not a good way to go with it. So well, um, unintended, it's unintended consequences. They, they, you know, I've heard the argument that it's supposedly good for the consumer because they're fighting back on these big commissions, but it's the unintended consequences is going to hurt the consumer. And especially like you said, the inequity of it, the lower income people, first time home buyers, I think it's going to just increase that wealth gap between, you know, the underserved versus the affluent. hundred percent. Yep. I mean, it's great for, you know, a cash buyer. They, 
they uh, they don't have to worry about those things. But still, even as a cash buyer, with what we were just talking about, with zero representation, uh, that's not a good thing for buyers. It's not a good. Ultimately, that's not a good thing for sellers either, um, because our co-op system right now is you know we we offer a co-op in the MLS to other agents to bring their buyers in. Well, if that goes away, if that's a zero that we're offering, um, you know, so, so let's yeah. say I have a listing and, and the uh, folks across the street also have their home listed and my seller wisely has said, yes, Ron, we want to pay X percentage to the agent who is bringing a buyer. We want that because we want that exposure through MLS going out there to to whoever is working with buyers and is going to bring us a buyer. Um, and um, and then the one across the street says, "No, we're not going to pay anything." Well, so is an agent. I mean, mm -hmm. an agent will have to have then a conversation with the buyer and say, "Hey, the folks across the street in the same house, same price as yours." aren't offering a, um, a co-op co commission compensation. So that's fine. I'm going to show you the house, but you have to understand then you are going to have to be liable for paying my fee directly, as opposed to traditionally where the seller is mm -hmm. paying the agent who then compensates me. So it would be a lose-lose for the seller as well if they're not following the model that we have had very successfully for a very long time. Yeah, yeah. So what is NAR's involvement in this, or is there involvement by NAR, or is it more just a, a stance that they have, or a, 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 I don't know if you call it a policy stance or whatever. Um, is NAR involved with this situation? Well, NAR is very involved with the situation. Um, so like I said, uh, they're, they're very aggressive in appealing the, the decision from the courts and, and will continue to do so. And I, I think as long as we get get this uh, aired out, you know, whether it's NAR or Keller Williams or home services or all three of them combined, when we have a, um, a really equitable um, ruling by the court who's really evaluated this from all angles, all aspects of it, uh, I think then a precedent will be set that will make it difficult for other um, challengers to come around and the same thing with the DOJ. So yeah, we're, NAR is fighting very, very hard to protect not only its member realtors, but um, but the public as a whole, because this is this the way it works through our MLS systems um, has proven to be the most effective way of having real estate transactions. So just here within the United States, uh, it hasn't been all that long ago since uh, New York City, um, they did not do uh, their boards did not do co-op compensation at all. So if, if I wanted to buy a, um, a townhome, a brownstone or whatever in New York City, um, I couldn't just go hire an agent, have a conversation with them. Here's what I'm looking for. Here's my goals. Here's my objectives. And I'm pre-approved by this lender, by this great lender like RJ and, and you know, help me find a great house. Well, it didn't work that way. It would be up to me to look in the ads in the paper or online and say, oh, I kind of like that. So then I have to call that brokerage and that agent who has the listing has to show it to me, period. And I have to work with them and I don't like it. So then, OK, we don't have a relationship. So I find another one on my own. So I have to call that agent and set up a showing with them. 
and see if I like it. So I have nobody working for me to help me accomplish my goals and objectives. And it was a mess for many, many years. And they finally saw the light in New York City and decided, you know, enough. <laughs> this just doesn't work. So now they have done it the way most of the rest of the company or country does it. And it's far more effective and, and definitely a much more win-win for the consumer, both on the seller and on the buyer's perspective. So, awesome. Awesome. Uh, yeah, so NER is, is very active in promoting uh, everything that they can do to, to fight, to, to have justice prevail in this. And, and I, th I think that will. I'm, I'm optimistic about that. Um, the, the real estate media rags, um, kind of the national inquirers of, of real estate, you know, they like other media. And I, I happen to be a fan of, of um, journalism big time, but um, um, not a fan of the national acquire, but there are major publications that are similar to that in our industry. And, and like, like the inquire and other publications, you know, they, you know, headlines sell subscriptions to their uh, publications. So, you know, I, I think they have unduly scared a lot of agents um, to thinking that the sky is falling. So, you know, we, we at NAR and on all three levels of realtor associations um, are, are, putting out there that uh, realtors need to understand their value and know how to articulate it. So everybody feels that, um, that realtors are, are very um, appropriately compensated, that we work very, very hard for the commission income that we have and that, you know, it's a success oriented fee in 99.9% .9 of the case, you know, you don't charge an upfront for the most part. Um, mm -hmm. So if a deal doesn't happen, you know, we don't get paid, even though we may have spent countless hours negotiating and, and uh, running around town with our clients. Um, so the, the consumer has to be uh, aware of that. So we have to really understand and, and articulate our value proposition, uh, in particular now as buyer agents. So people will understand mm -hmm. the value of what they're getting when they work with the realtor. And I will, you know, a plug for realtor. You don't have to be a realtor to sell real estate in the state of Colorado. If you have your license, um, you can be a practitioner, you're a licensee. But those who believe in, in exactly what we've been talking about now, fighting for our industry, fighting for property rights, uh, proposing legislation that protects and, and enhances the position of homeowners, uh, mm -hmm. then you decide then at that point you want to become a realtor. If you are not a member of the national state and local association of realtors, you are not a realtor. We as realtors also agree to um, abide by a very rigid and stringent um, code of ethics. And if there's violations in that, there's, there's a, an amazing mechanism and it, it is utilized of um, arbitration proceedings. And um, so, yeah, uh, it, it, it holds us to a very, very high standard of practicing our craft and uh, and non-realtors um, do not have that obviously as a as a um, um, factor in, in how they need to conduct their business. I'm not saying that they're unethical, but I'm just saying realtors uh, have formally agreed by being members mm -hmm. to abide by the code of ethics and they believe enough in our industry and the importance of our industry in, in furthering homeowners rights in our industry to become a realtor member. So that's my 30 second plug for being a realtor, but it's very important. Yeah. I am very So powerful. join your association if you're not listening to the, or if well, you're listening yeah, to this and you're not a part of your, I, yeah. I can't imagine, you know, it's kind of like uh, 
uh, NPR, you know, and, and CPR, Colorado Public Radio. You know, you li- I, I know people listen to it all the time and they love it. They love the programs on it, but they never pay to become members of it. But yet they're getting all the benefits that other people are paying for. And it's, it's a similar type thing with, uh, with Realtor membership, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I'm not blaming people because a lot of times people either haven't been told or they haven't done their homework and, and understand everything um, in terms of the benefits that, that being a realtor offers. It's, it's huge. I mean, all our members just have to go to nar.realtor and, and, and spend a few hours and, and they'll just, their heads will be spinning with all the things, not only that we uh, at, at a national level do, uh, do for them and do for uh, members of the public, but the benefits that are available to them to help them um, further their business and grow and, and be successful in their careers is, is just staggering. So a lot of people just have not been exposed, I guess, to it properly or haven't taken the time to look into it. Same thing mm-hmm. with, uh, with belonging to any company in real estate. There's a lot of great companies out there that offer just an abundance of tools and resources for their agents. And I hear all the time, oh, my company doesn't do anything for me, so I'm going to go to another company. And then they go to another company. And I, my company doesn't, but they have never taken the time to engage in what their company does for them. And it's the same thing with realtor organizations. I hear it all the time. You know, I don't want to have to pay dues to CAR and NER and you know, DMAR or MAMAR or whatever, because what are they doing for me? Well, a lot but they just don't yeah. realize it. And, and so, yeah, we, it's, it's a two-way communication issue. Um, you know, maybe we're not doing the most effective job in conveying the benefits of what uh, we offer or what NAR and CAR and the local associations offer their members, or they just, or the, the members just haven't taken the time to really dig into it a little bit and get engaged and participate. I mean, from, so I, I was on the land use and sustainability committee last year for NAR. Um, my new appointment is I'm not now on the FPC advisory committee. So, so I kind of, um, um, I don't want to say I'm in charge because that's not it remotely, but I help coordinate our FPCs now in Colorado to make sure that, um, that they're, um, given all the resources and, and everything in the toolkits to most effectively do their jobs in meeting with members of Congress. So we have all these committees and anybody can apply to join a committee on either the national, state or local levels. And that's that's how you start to really understand the power and the benefits and the resources of, of a realtor um, participation at all three levels is getting engaged, going to the events, mm-hmm. uh, taking the classes and going to the to the websites and seeing all the resources and and um, taking advantage and ownership of them. Well, I can say from my own experience, I didn't understand what the realtor associations do. And I'm a lender, so it's a little bit different with as far as what they might do for the lending side, but certainly it's related to the real estate side. But I got involved with Mamar um, on the board and it opened my eyes to all the things that are happening that a lot of people don't see. I mean, there's just so much that even on the local level that the boards are doing. So, and that the associations are involved in. So um, I really appreciate you uh, pointing that out. And that's part of why I wanted to have you on because you, you have such a wealth of knowledge and experience that you, your perspective is very, very much valued. Well, thank you. Yeah. Good. But yeah. And thank you for being on You're you're a great guy and love always talking to you, Ron. And, 
Um, just really appreciate you taking the time. I know you're super busy also, so uh, appreciate you carving out a little bit of time with us. Well, it's my pleasure and thank you for having me on as well. I appreciate that and giving me the opportunity to kind of uh, maybe give a refresher course in some way and to give an update with what's happening. But just, you know, anybody tuning in on this, just, you know, they need to please understand that NAR is just going, uh, I, you know, when I was in California and then I was in St. Louis for a leadership summit last week and man alive, the things that our national association is doing proactively to, uh, and all these things that we've touched on is just, it's just staggering at a very, very high and very effective level. And, and thank you for all you do. I know you, you were the chair of, of Mars, um, what do we call it? Allied industry affiliates. affiliate. Uh, yeah, yeah. So you did an awesome job with that. And, and the affiliate members of, of our, uh, organizations on all levels, but I had to say in particular at the local levels, like you have been, uh, that that's such a huge component too, uh, there again, because, you know, especially if, if a realtor doesn't happen to have a lot of people in their, in their toolkit resources, uh, allied partners, you know, all you have to do is to go like in Mamar's case, uh, to the affiliate directory and, and, you know, we encourage, uh, our members to utilize or at least have conversations with the members, uh, of the affiliates, mm -hmm. uh, because to me, that's kind of like the, the, what we used to call the good housekeeping seal of approval. Uh, you're not going to be an affiliate member if, if you're not good if you're not effective and ethical in doing your business, because if you're not, you're not going to remain an affiliate very long, as you know. I mean, if somebody if complaints are given, you don't stay on as an affiliate member. So you have assurance uh, when working with affiliate members, again, uh, to any realtor organization that you're dealing with really um, above average people and, and companies in terms mm -hmm. of ethics and their skills set. So, uh, so once again, thank you for really promoting that as well within the Mount Metro Association. Yeah, you're welcome. Well, thanks again, Ron. Definitely appreciate you being on. And thanks again, everyone, for joining us. Thank you so much for listening. We definitely appreciate your support. And please subscribe to the show so you can get all future episodes. And if you enjoyed the show, please leave us a five-star review as well. That's part of how the word gets out about the show. And once again, my name is RJ Baxter with Intercap Lending. Y'all have a great rest of your day.